G'day, Phil Gould here. You are listening to Set Restart, the podcast which tackles all things rugby league, from grassroots levels right through to the professionals. No topic gets the red card on Set Restart. Welcome to another episode of Set Restart. I'm Craig O'Donnell. And I'm Joe Morley. Well, welcome to episode two of series two. Um, it's a bit of a strange one tonight because we're guestless. Joe, we've we've been dumped on again, haven't we? So it's just me and you, kid. What what are you doing to him, Craig? Are you putting our guests off? Well, I'm not going to give the name away of, of, as to who we, we had on uh, or scheduled to have on tonight, but it's the second time he's let us down. <laughs> um, so I'm sure our listeners will... Will make of that what the will. Those who've got good memories might might think back to one of our early episodes in series one and and, and make the connection. But it's a shame. But um, we'll soldier on. What we have sure there's plenty for us to talk about. Yeah, oh, there's lots to talk about, and it's just good to be back, Craig, isn't it? You know, we're a bit lighter nights, and you know, there's amateur rugby back, there's Super League rugby, Challenge Cup rugby. Seems to be a lot of positivity around the sport at the moment, and I just hope it continues. Well, I think, um, I mean, the weekend got off to a decent start on Friday when 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 Google decided to, to make their Google Doodle, uh, you know, Hull's honorary citizen in uh, Welsh Welsh wizard Clive Sullivan. I mean, that, that I wasn't expecting that, and and I think it went down a, went down a treat in the rugby league uh, fraternity. Yeah, it got it got shared left, right, and centre, and I, I think I put a comment on um, the Hull FC ex players association feed um, about is this the best marketing trick which which rugby league's ever done, and I, I think it's got to be up there. The you know the amount of people which will have which will have saw Clyde Sullivan on Friday, um, hopefully they've gone on and clicked on it and 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 saw his unbelievable history in the sport and and the legacy that he's left, you know. Being the first ever black person to to, to captain a team, uh, uh, sorry, an international team, you know, Great Britain, you know, he was a pioneer for for for, for black people in the country and and just showcased, you know, if you've got the talent and if if you've got the the quality to be successful at anything, it doesn't matter what what race you are, what creed you are, you know, you'll rise to the top. Hang on a minute, Joy, are you saying are you saying that the Rugby Football League had the nous? To get in touch with Google ahead of Clive Sullivan's 78th birthday to say to suggest that they make him their Google Doodle for the day. Are you saying that their marketing team did something proactive? <laughs> well, obviously, we don't know the backstory to it, Craig, do we? So surely we've got to give the RFL for once the benefit of doubt and, and some praise. You know, they're coming for a, a lot of flack and rightly so, a lot of criticism and, and rightly so. You know, this was this was an unbelievable uh, moment for our sport, and you know we've got to celebrate it. Let's pat people on the back when when they deserve it. All right, or if I'll, they deserve it. I'll I'll let you have that one, but I'm going to counter that with they do not make enough of the fact that the first black captain of any Great British international sport was a rugby league player. Now, 
I think the nation should make more of it than it actually is, regardless of what, you know, imagine that if that was a, a soccer player or a rugby union player, um, if they were the first to have the first black captain of any national side, the euphoria would be a hundredfold as to what our sport has made of it. And, and so to counter your positive RFL, I'm not here to bash the RFL, but I think we just need a little bit of balance Um given the fact that we do not know that they were behind the Google Doodle. Yeah. Um, no, you, you, you're probably right there. Yeah, well, you are right. If if it was a football player, if it was a rugby union player, then it would be everywhere. Everybody would know that. And I think whether that's down to rugby union and football, have got better PR and marketing people behind them, or whether it's just a stigma behind rugby league. And for, for whatever reason, nationally, like to give rugby league any credit or, or any headlines or any newspaper column inches or any segments on the on the news and that's something that as a sport we've got to address and really force it down people's throats and look at other avenues like social media and you know on Friday it was all over social media it was it was everywhere there was MPs tweeting it who I think but have any interest in in rugby league whatsoever, and you know it certainly got shared, you know lots lots of times, and and it went viral. Definitely, that's the way to look for Craig. It went viral. Well, it did go viral, and I think um, due to the uh, unforeseen happenings of the sad passing of Prince Philip, his his royal highness, who, who you know it has got a a connection with the rugby football league over over the years has attended you know many finals at Wembley and what have you um had that news not broken i, I think the the old Clive Sullivan google doodle would have would have gone on to to claim many social media had headlights headlights headlight headlines that's the word i'm looking for um <laughs> but yeah so you know what will be will be and we'll, and we'll plod on um so moving on We've got an opportunity, John, which is used to have a bit of a reflection on the opening games of the season. Actually, before we do do that, you, you mentioned at the top of the show about how Rugby League is, is getting back to, to some normality and grassroots is back in training and, and, and fixtures have been released. You're going on to do a bit of uh, touch rugby this evening, aren't you? What, what's that all about? Yeah, so Hull FC have a touch rugby competition um which has been postponed i believe a couple of times due to covid uh this past year um so yeah no doing that we've got a, we've got a, a team from beverly uh, made up of you know coaches and players from the from the beverly brave set up um so yeah looking forward to getting a rugby ball in my hands and getting out there a bit of fresh air and you know socializing you know that's one thing which covid is is really limited as a two is socialising in the flesh, hasn't it? And actually seeing people face to face, which instead of over over a Zoom call or a Teams call. So, so yeah, no, massive wraps to LFC for getting this back up and running and not just abandoning it. So it'd be good to get back out there. Is it is it straight to a beer garden afterwards for a socially distanced drink? <laughs> no, I wish, actually. That's not a bad shout, that, Craig. Um, no, no, I can't believe you've not thought of it. I can't believe you've no, not thought of it. We're all athletes in our team, Craig. So, you know, <laughs> we're watching our weight and uh, obviously don't want to <laughs> get rid of the six-pack that we've been building over lockdown. 
Yeah. Okay, moving. Good luck with that. I hope everyone has a good time. I remember the days when I could play touch rugby. I, I can barely touch my toes these days. So, um, you know, I, I'm just jealous. Um, so let's move on and, and let's talk ab- about the season. We'll, we'll focus on obviously Super League, though. You know, if if we do talk about the Challenge Cup, there's some Challenge uh, Championship sides involved in the mix there, and obviously all FC versus Featherstone just recently, but. Um, Let's start off with the Super League and, and the two opening games for both Hull and Rovers. And, and we'll start off with with Rovers. I've got our predictions in front of me that we both um, put forward at the back end of, of Series 1. Um, actually, we, we've both gone for a Catalans win, um, I've wrote down here. I thought I had Rovers, but we've gone for a Catalans win, um, which they managed by the, the skin of their cat's teeth. Yeah, yeah, they did, Craig. Um, you know, for for sixty minutes, um, Catalans looked like they could score. You know, put thirty, forty, maybe even fifty points past past OKR. But you know, to credit, to, uh, to give credit to OKR, they, they stuck to the guns. And you know, I think that's something which you can certainly say about OKR this year. You know, that they're giving hundred percent. Might not necessarily have that you know top end quality that Catalans have got. But they give 100 percent they don't go away, they don't they don't give up. And and like you said to the credit, they got back into the game. And you know, to be fair, I was gonna say maybe even won the game, but to be fair, with that golden point, Catalans controlled it, didn't they? And and uh, yeah, missed tackle in the middle of the field allowed Catalans to get position to get the drop goal. And I'm I'm not a massive fan of of, of Golden Point. I think to be fair, both teams probably deserved a point because, you know, Hulkia did ever so well to get back into the game and probably didn't deserve to to come away with no points. I think it's uh, the golden point issue has brought an element of excitement to the finish of a game, hasn't it? I mean, don't, uh, you know, I don't disagree with you completely. Uh, you know, I think a, a draw on balance in, in that particular game certainly would have been, Rovers would have taken that at the end of the game without question having clawed the way back from from whatever the deficit was. Um, but, you know, to, to actually come away from that game with zero points, maybe they need to look at, um, if you win a game in golden point, you, you get your two points, but um, the losers walk away with one point or something. To, to actually reward the, the fact that they've contributed to that ding-dong battle and, and entertained the, the audience, I don't know, I'm just, just throwing some out there. Then obviously no, I think that's a fair point, Craig. I think that's yeah. a fair point. I'd be on board with that. I'd be on board with that. But I'm a bit of a traditionalist. What's wrong with a good out, good hard end draw? Point of peace. Move on. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. And then obviously um, we both tipped Rovers to lose against St Helens, which they did. I can't remember the score. I can't remember. Um, Twenty-five nil. Well, they got nilled. Yeah, they got nilled. Yeah. So they they. Rovers, you know, in recent, I would say in recent history, last five years, they've scored, they score points. They just seem not to be able to defend their lead or or, or defend their line. Um, but so to get, I, I was surprised by them not actually scoring any points in that game against St. Helens. I know St. Helens were, you can't say they were on fire. Um, if they were on fire, it'd have been fifty points, I, I think. But um, you know, to actually to to nil Rovers with the attacking 
flair, I think, that they show with their regard to playing open and expansive rugby um, tells a bit of a story. What do you think? Yeah, I might just come back to you a little bit on that, that point. I think the Rovers of last year um, certainly were free, free flowing and, and scored a lot of points. I think this year they've looked, they've struggled in attack. I, I think it's gone the other way. I know obviously they have conceded a lot of points, um, but that's probably because their attack has really let them down. Um, I've, I've I made a couple of key key points here, and I'm going to come back to game management. And I think. You know, they've got young halfbacks, haven't they? They've got Michael Lewis, they've got Jordan Abdul, who have got a lot of potential. And more Michael Lewis and Jordan Abdul. And I think I'm going to make the point here. Jordan Abdul's now had a lot of first-team experience, whether that be at Hull FC, at Hull KR, and maybe now he should be starting to show signs of maturity and being able to control games. But certainly Michael Lewis, he's learning on the job. And it's very, very hard for, for a young halfback Especially at Super League level, to to control games and to and and to build pressure and to and to and to fracture defenses in Super League, and I just think that's where Rovers are struggling here. You know that they are they are offloading and they are shifting it from side to side, but they're not necessarily putting that pressure on on the opposition defenses. And I think you know the nil score against Saints. I think you know Saints you know, one of the best defensive teams in the league, you know, they're up there with Wigan and that's why they are top of the league. You need to have that little bit more rather than just hoping for a single player to, to break the line and offload and, and, and put a little chip through. You need you need good systems and you need good, good halfbacks there who can target weak defenders, who can find that those spaces. And, and I just think, it's going to be hard for, for Hull KR if they're going to rely on Michael Lewis for the full season. A, I don't think it's going to be fair on that young lad. I think they need, he needs to dip in and dip out for his development. And, and B, for Hull KR, they're going to struggle if, if they're going to, just going to rely on Michael Lewis. I really like Michael Lewis as a potential halfback in the future, but I don't want him to be to be bottomed out. I don't want him to be ruined because of this season. So, And I know they've got their, their import signing, uh, Brad, Takarangi uh, to to come in and hopefully he can add some experience to that team because I think that's what they lack just just in the in the control room just in that spine they lack some experience I think Quinlan he, he hasn't looked the player since he's come back from from his serious injury he hasn't come back to to the level which he was at before um, and 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 Parcel at Hooker again he needs a dominant forward pack to be able to see his best. Well, you mentioned Parcel. I mean, the, the, <clears throat> they've had Jez Litton, haven't they, who, who started um, certainly the Catalan game. I think he started the St. Helens game as well, didn't he? And they had Parcel on the bench. Um, yeah. So in terms of youth, he, even to have Jez Litton on a hooker and then, like you say, uh, Mikey Lewis and, and Abdul in age um, terms, having that, that real young um, quartet, uh, quartet triplet there, um, and then with, with Quinlan at the back, who's probably not firing on all cylinders, um, you, you probably hit, hit, hit the nail partly on the head. Um, and I, but I think concentration levels have, have come, into, come into play a lot with, with Rovers as well in, in those first two games. And and, and I think their, their epic encounter with Cast Tigers in, in the... Uh, 
in the Challenge Cup has further demonstrates that, doesn't it? To be what were they twenty points to six up? Yeah, um, twenty two six up at half time, and that's when you know your experienced halfbacks should be able to see that game out. And and, and unfortunately, Rovers don't have that at the moment. You know, I'm looking at you know if that was Wigan and Saints in that position, there's no way they lose. They might not go on and win 40, 50 points, but they don't lose the game. They make sure mm. they control the game. They don't allow Cass to get that momentum and that those back-to-back-to-back tries, you know. And you look at, on the flip side, Cass has got Paul McShane, you know, um, Man of Steel winner of last year. And once they got on a roll, that's when you need your experienced heads to be able to to get a grip of the game, put the ball into touch, walk to the scrum, get some lung in the look, uh, air in the lungs and, and really see that game out. And uh, even in Golden Point, you know, it was all Castleford. They were the ones that were pushing for that for that drop goal. Hulk A.R. never got himself in a position to to win the game. And, and, and if they did have good good field position, they didn't set up for a for a drop goal. They they pushed for a try because they, they didn't have that confidence in the in the halfbacks to kick that field goal. And yeah, I just think they're relying on Brad Tagnaranga to come in and, and, and change the fortunes of the team. And I don't know enough about him to, uh, to say confidently whether he will do that. Surely, Joe, I get what you're saying about the, the, the youth and the inexperience of the halfbacks, maybe not having that nous about them to, to, to close that game out. Um, surely Rovers have got enough experience in their their squad of players and those on the pitch in Kenny Dowell, Ryan Hall, uh, Sims, um, Ben Crooks, to actually be saying in the ears of their halfbacks, saying, look, we need a bit better game management here. What we want to be doing in this set is is is, is seeing the set out, finishing our set and having a good kick and, and, and looking for position. It, surely it just can't all be down to the halfbacks to control everything without um, advice and guidance from their real senior players in that team. But your halfbacks are your generals, Craig. They're, yeah, they are. They, they are. But my, my my point is, Rovers are twenty two points to six up at half time, and they go. And I, and I I didn't watch the game. I've, I've not seen it, so I can't comment on their performance. But Castleford score next, and it's what is it twenty two ten twenty two twelve with the goal. I'm not sure. Yeah. Did it did it then go twenty two sixteen twenty two eighteen? Surely yep. the experience in that Rovers team are saying. Behind the sticks, in the huddle, whoever the captain is, whoever the leaders are, or you know, whoever the um, inspirational players are in that team, are saying to the squad, to the to, to, right, we need some controlled sets here, and we want to, even if it's just five uppy jumpers, and we want a decent kick and we want a chase. It can't just be. I get what you're saying. They are the generals, and they guide around the park. But in a situation like that, where surely they can see the game slipping away from them, their experienced players who have played in NRL Grand Finals, who have played in Super League Grand Finals in test matches, step up to the plate and say, we need to be doing a bit of this. I don't know what's going on in your head at the minute, you know, young halfback, but we need to be doing a bit of this. They must play a part. It's, it's all right. It's all right saying it, Craig, but these these the people I'm referring to, you know, Michael Lewis, John Abdul, they're the ones that touch the ball in 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 the set of six. You know, your outside backs might take an early carry, 
Why ain't the but, coach but, getting the messages on then? But you've still got to do it. You've still got to do it. You've still got to carry out that plan. And when they're under pressure and when, when they see an opportunity, you know, you full, you full energy and, and, and um, what's the one I'm looking for here? Exuberance. Use, you, useful exuberance. That's an unbelievable word. The useful exuberance. They go for that player. They push that pass. Because why wouldn't they? They take risks. And I'm, I'm going to say... If if Michael Dobson was scrum half, if Terry Campisi was scrum half on um, on on Friday night against Castleford, Hawkeye okay, win that game ten out of ten. Ten out of ten. Right, I'm not going to argue with you, Joe. I'm just I'm throwing an alternative viewpoint out there. I think I think the senior players in that team need to take some accountability as well and responsibility. It's unfair to. In my view, heap it all on the shoulders of such young players because it can break them. Um, oh, without, without it can doubt. break them, and, and you don't want to see that. That you know they're they're young local lads, and you want to see them succeed, and you want to see them take Ulkingston Rovers to the next level, um, which you know even one step up is is the next level for for them at the moment, unfortunately. Um, so they're out of the Challenge Cup. They've got the league to focus on. Um, I mean, how unfortunate was that for? We've got a past comment on the fact that they got beat by a drop goal, and it was Gareth O'Brien again. Yeah, I bet. What an unbelievable coincidence that is! I, I bet that guy would not is not welcoming Eastall ever again. <laughs> West of all, they'll be nice to him, won't they? Well, I'm surprised. Well, I can see it. The next Rovers home game, there'll be another aeroplane flying over, won't there? <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway, let, the yeah. Let, let's move on. Um, so we'll have to see. Um, uh, sorry, Craig. Before we move on, we've got to mention they've got they've had a massive loss of OKR in terms of terms of injury, and that's Elliot Min- Min- Minchello. Um, absolute workhorse in that engine room. Somebody who would have settled it down, who would have made those tackles in the middle and taken a lot of work off. He likes of Ashton Sims. Ashton Sims. No. What's his name? Tariq. Carl Holborn. <laughs> One of them. It might even be their sister. <laughs> so, um, you know, Elliot, Elliot Minichello is a massive loss for Hulk AI. He does a lot of work in the middle and, and takes a lot of tackles, a lot of hit-ups off the likes of Corbin Sims to... You, then you can use his impact more more wisely. So I think that's a massive loss for Rovers, and going forward, it's going to be hard to replace his impact in the team. Yeah, fair play, John. I think we wish him all all the best. You don't want to see players at this early stage of the season get get uh, you know season injury ending injury. Um, you know it, the game's tough enough as it is, and and players go through a, a lot of physical impact uh, even just through training. So we wish him all the best, and and hope he comes back. Uh, even stronger um, to to support his his teammates um, at, at whatever point that that is. Um, so yeah, let let's move on now to to all FC. Um, again, we we both predicted a win against the Giants, which is is uh, is strange really, because in the tipping comp, Joe. So for our listeners, we've we've, <laughs> we've joined in the 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 can't remember what it's called, the Super League um, media. Tip- Media tipping comp, yeah, we were invited to, to join in that. And we've done one joint entry, so round one, Joe picked the results, and then round two, 
I picked the results and and it's by winning margin. Well, not winning margin, that actual winning score, isn't it? Um, yeah, you've got and, to be spot on. Yeah, spot on. And uh, we've, I think we've only had one spot on, haven't we? Uh, which was yeah, was that that was Cass versus. Can't remember who that was. Anyway, that right. was my that was my choice, wasn't it? Cast by eight. Um, but you picked you you actually t- despite saying in our in our in our own predictions that FC would beat the Giants, you tipped the Giants to to beat FC uh, in the tipping comp. But we we both tipped FC against Giants, and we both tipped FC against Salford, and we we were both right. Um, what were, what's your analysis of, of that performance against the Giants? Do you obviously the Giants were without Aidan Caesar? Do you, do you read much into that? I I do. I read much into that Aidan Caesar didn't play, and I think that's one of the reasons why maybe Huddersfield hasn't had a a good start uh, to to Super League. I think he certainly makes them a different proposition if 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 you're playing Huddersfield with him in the team. But you know, obviously Huddersfield can only beat the team that's put in front of them. And they certainly did that. They were certainly they were dominant from minute zero to let's say minute seventy six. Obviously, Huddersfield finished fairly strongly, but the game the game had had got away from them by then. And the reason because of that was the dominance in defence. We saw a marked improvement from last season and the season before that to the start of this season. The line speed. The aggression in defence, the actual the actual will to defend your line, you know, a lot of it is down to attitude and and down to that determination, that saying they will not pass us, they will not cross us, and we made this point in in the Super League Grand Final review that, you know, Wigan and Saints they've set that bar now about how you need to defend, and it's up to teams like Hull FC, Warrington, Catalans, Leeds, Castleford that level and I think we've seen we've seen glimpses of policy being able to do that you know obviously not against the top two or the, the top four as of yet but the glimpses are certainly there and you know I, I want to put it down to, to Josh Reynolds but obviously Brett has had a massive impact on that but Josh Reynolds you know we've probably we signed him him as a as a as an off half and you think oh yeah he's going to add more to the attack and, and I think he will do going forward but I think his actual his energy his 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 fitness levels he's just he's just his presence on that pitch has just pushed it's just increased the levels of the players around him and he he's the first to a kick you know the long kick downfield he's the first one there making the tackle his aggression in in, in defence is good yeah I, I I'm liking what I'm seeing about Hull's defence at this moment in time. Well, not to overestimate the impact that Josh Reynolds has had already. Obviously, he's out injured at the moment, and we'll probably touch on that. Um, but I tweeted from our Set Restart account uh, just after the the Huddersfield game, and and quite rightly, I said, you know, it's only game one, so let's not get carried away. Let let's keep two feet firmly flat on the ground. However, what Josh Reynolds brought to that game was the level of intensity um, primarily in defense that you see at the NRL that Hull hasn't had for a long time and and obviously Josh uh, Brett Hodgson's brought that as well but in their defense that their intensity levels were by comparison to previous seasons through the roof 
And and it was there from minute one to minute eighty, apart from a few, you know, lapses in concentration that allowed Giants to, to go on and post some points. But for Hull to have that in a five eighth off half, however you want to refer to him, number six, um I, I, I think actually has brought a, a new level to Hull FC as as a complete team. And and then that was carried on in the Salford performance. Obviously, the addition of Josh Reynolds has freed up Jake Connor to roam the park wherever he sees fit um, from fullback, and he's made a decent start to the to the season. I, personally, not getting overly carried away with with Jake Connor's performances so far. Um, go on, what what are you going to say, Joe? Oh, I think you're underplaying Jake Connor a hell of a lot. Yeah, he's made an unbelievable start. He's made an unbelievable start. By what standards, We just haven't had, we we just haven't had three games of this either. The end of the season last year, he was starting to show this at fullback. He's so, so influential in Hull FC's attack. It's, it's, It's crazy. Every try, you can go nearly every try he's got a hand in. He's got a hand in his. He's either the man out the back, you know, setting up the try, the pass to the winger, or the short pass to to the centre, or he's the first receiver and he's taking it to the line, asking questions of the defence. And when he shows and goes, more often than not, he breaks the line and and and, he, and, and either he scores himself or he passes it to a support player. I think. I think now we've got that link. That that link where if we we do a shift play to the left. We'll have a first receiver, we'll have a guy in the middle, and we'll have the guy stood on the right. And obviously those three are Jake Connor, Mark, Mark Sneed, and, and and Josh Reynolds. We are now able to shift the ball from one side of the pitch to the other, where in previous seasons, because of a lack of a ball-playing fullback or a ball-playing loose forward, we have had to move back to the middle of the pitch. So we, we, we'd lose a tackle by having to set up, and set up the play. We're now an unbelievable, dangerous proposition in attack. All right, it hasn't quite clicked at the moment, but we've only seen early signs of this in terms of our attack and, and scoring tries. But you can see now our structure asks a lot of questions of the defence because the ball can go to one or three players. You do not know where the ball's going to go because if Jake Connor and Max Seed stood one side, you can't automatically assume it's going that side because you've got an unbelievable threat in Josh Reynolds stood on the blind side. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's exciting. It's exciting. And obviously Josh Reynolds is injured at the moment and hopefully it's only precautionary. He isn't out for a very long time and we might be able to, hopefully, he'd like to think he's targeting the Wigan game in the Challenge Cup to, to come back for. But no, it's it's good signs. But that attack can only, can only bear fruit if our defence stays as dominant and as controlled as what it is at this moment in time. There's only one, there's only one better fullback in the competition at the moment to Jake Connor, and that's Sam Tompkins at Catalans. Yeah, I don't disagree, but I still stand by what I said uh, during our review in Series One, and and I will continue to stand by that until I've got a full season of consistent high-class performances. And uh, might I just add? I personally, this is my own personal view, I don't just want a full-back to be involved in the game 
in the attacking zones of the pitch. I want a fullback that's performing to the levels of Tedesco, Pappenhausen. Um, I forget the, I can't pronounce his, his surname at Canberra. Uh, Klockstack, is it? Nicole Klockstack. Yeah, yeah, I, I want, yeah. I want a fullback that is an attacking threat wherever they are on the field. And my, my, my own personal view, whilst Jake Connor brings an awful lot to an LFC side, and the LFC side wouldn't be the same without him, he doesn't pose that threat coming out of our own half. In my there's view. The re- there's a reason why those players are being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to play in the NRL. is because they are complete players. If Jake Connor was of the standard of James Tedesco, he wouldn't be playing for Hull FC. He well, wouldn't exactly. be playing but, for an but NRL team. Now, now, can you not now understand why I'm a little bit um, suppressed, I, I get, on, 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 on his hype? I think... You Sam Tompkins, judge. out of his defensive area, can break a line and make a 60-80 metre dash, Carty, and, and set up a play. My own view is I'm a bit reserved on whether Jake Connor can do that. I, he's an undoubted talent, and we spent so much time talking about him when there were other players. Don't shake your head at me, Joe. I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> and, and I can probably hear... You know, uh, anyone listening to this is probably shaking their head and thinking I'm talking a load of rubbish. But <laughs> I'll happily be told at the end of the season that I was wrong. Please comment on our uh, Twitter feed <laughs> if you disagree with Craig. The more the more people that back me up, the better, please. Uh, anyway, that Salford performance, I, I think, was obviously epitomised by a um, friend of the show, Scott Taylor's, Last ditch tackle, well not last ditch tackle, but it was in the dying minutes of the game, and and it was as intense as um, you would expect at the start of a performance. So I think that was just a, a yardstick as to where Hull FC are mentally in, in relation to seeing out a game and having that complete performance. Obviously, um, their performance against Featherstone Rovers in the, in the cup just at the weekend, just gone. Um, went behind to an early score and then posted 34 unanswered points and then didn't post any points in the second half, um, which was a surprise to many, I think. Um, what what did you make of that, Joe? Um, I, I was a bit disappointed, to be honest, because, I, I, well, I'm sure many Hull FC fans have, have, have said this down the past and we are not ruthless enough. We are not, you know... We never put our foot on the opponent's throat. You know, your Wiggins and your Saints, they would go on and win that game 60, 70 points and wouldn't think twice about it. Hull FC, for for whatever reason, and this isn't, you know, a a dig at Pretoshans Hull FC, this is a dig at Hull FC as a a club since I've known them, which, you know, is 20-odd years now. Um, You know, we put our cue on the rack very, very early. Ah, we've done enough. Yeah, we're in the next round. Let's not get injured. Let's, you know, make sure we conserve our energy for next week. And I just think, you know, top top clubs who have who who are ruthless, you know, they go on. They they're the ones that go on and win trophies. And and I would, yeah, I would have loved Hull to go on and, 
and win, win by 60 points. And maybe I'm doing a discredit to Feverston. Maybe they did up their performance in the second half. Um, Hull FC did get slightly disjointed with a few injuries. Um, but yeah, I wanted Hull FC to, to go on and win by 50 well, points, Craig. There's an, there's, an old, there's an old saying in sport, isn't it, that you're only as good as your last performance. So if if you know if, if that saying comes true and, and Hull FC take their last performance into their next league game, which is against Warrington, um, which I have Hull FC down to win and you've got Warrington down to, to win, um, I, my, my, my position has slightly changed on that, given the, obviously the, the injury to Josh Reynolds. I wasn't expecting that, if I'm honest. Um, a hamstring injury to um, your, your kind of your marquee signing uh, in the second game of the season but you know it brings us on to to to, to Warrington I suppose you know what are they in the league won one lost one um beat Swinton in in the Challenge Cup their star Larker's yet to play is he Greg Inglis no no we haven't seen him yet we've only seen him on the telly um doing interviews and stuff but we haven't seen him with a rugby ball in his hand as, as of yet um I think the noises are, are are signaling that this will be his first game, but obviously he's going to be rusty and he's not going to be at, I was at going top to say level. That, that's an advantage for all FC, surely, for them to yeah. play Greg Inglis and and where you know what position does he does he play and who, whose place does he take? Because obviously you've got Toby King killing it in the left centre position, mm-hmm. um, but are they, are they going to put Inglis in the centre or stick him at fullback and move Ratchford? No, you would you wouldn't move Ratsford again. He's he's one of the star fullbacks in, in the competition. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree. And then you obviously, if you're moving to halfback, you're not going to drop Blake Austin or Woodup. or uh, Gareth Woodup. Yeah. So yeah, he'll move in at right centre, Craig. He'll move in at right centre. Um, but I I wouldn't imagine he starts either. I think he'll be probably a bench player. And so that, that's 10, him up against. Uh... Uh, Carlos plays right centre and Griffin plays left centre. So be up against, English will be up against Griffin then, won't he? If he's in at right yeah. centre. That'd be an interesting yeah. battle. Uh, I'm sure Griffin will, will, will rise to that challenge. Um, you know, after, oh, a, very much so. after a couple of years out of the game, English's defence and his, and his reading of the game and his decision-making, it's it's going to be very rusty, I would say. I personally think it's a, a, a bit of a gamble, but um, what do I know? I don't. I'm not a rugby league coach, and and this may be exactly the reason why. Um, well, let's just say, Craig, he pro- he hasn't just been totally signed on his current playing ability, has he? He's been <laughs> signed no. on his reputation. Yeah, and merchandise and, signing. Yeah, and and also. It's it's viewer figures for Super League. You, there's going to be massive interest when Greg Inglis plays his first game. Yeah, yeah. It, not only in this country, but you know the other side of the world in Australia. So, so yeah, it, it, it's it's nice that we've got these big headline names in the Super League. It just would be nice to have them at their full peak, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and we can't pass. We can't talk about Warrington without passing comment about the announcement. Obviously that. Um, Daryl Powell announced as their uh, head coach for next year and the potential around some current cast players moving to Warrington. What, what's the lowdown on that? 
Well, I, I'd imagine that you know Daryl Powell will want to take some of the the better players at Castleford to go to go to Warrington. You know, I'm looking at Liam Watts, especially if if the rumours are to be correct and Lee Radford being interested in the in the Castleford position. That would whoa, be quite whoa, hang a, on a minute. What's that? What's that? Well, it was it was first reported that there might be interest uh, from Lee Radford um, going to Castleford on 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 Friday evening. Um, yeah, obviously that would be that would be massive, massive. Not only you know in Hull, you know, massive in in Cast because of the relationship that Lee Radford and and Liam Watts did have at Hull FC. It was it was quite spiky, especially towards the end when when Watsy moved. So, so yeah, I think there might be a bit of shuffling around coming at the end of the season. You, you won't be happy if you was a cast fan at the minute, would you? Obviously they've, they've, you know, they're losing their coach who's been unbelievable for them, I would say. And, and the, the rumors are that he's going to be taking star Larkers with them. Yeah. Well, you would, you would be happy at the moment because they've won the first three games. So there's nothing to, uh, to be grudged at, at this at, moment in time. At the prospect of next season, though, without without you know that we've lost our coach, but we don't know who's going to take us forward. And the rumours are that our best players are going to be going with him to to you know to Warrington. Yeah, well, you've also you've also got John Wells, who is the director of football at Castleford. He's also resigned from his position and is solely focusing on um, his Sky Sports duties at the moment. So that, That's a real yeah, shame certainly... for everyone who watches Sky Sports, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> no, but obviously there's certainly change of foot at Castleford and I suppose a, a Cas- if you're a fan of Castleford, I suppose it's the the uncertainty of, of what's going to happen in the future. But what I would say is, is Cass normally, uh, they're, they're a club which which are normally fairly well run um, and they sign players who maybe other clubs wouldn't potentially sign, but they improve them and and they always seem to outperform everybody's expectations at the beginning of the year. And and I'm I'm going to sit here and say if Lee Rafford went to Castleford or if if the other rumours are true and it's Brian McDermott, you know, ex-Toronto, ex-Leeds Rhinos coach, then they're going to be in a strong position and they're only going to take over a, a club which which they feel is going to move forward and, and be successful in the future. So if I was a Castleford fan, I wouldn't be too downbeat. I think they play with a, a lack of pressure on them, don't they? Which sometimes you can see that in their performances. Um, maybe they, they have underachieved or I don't know, but some might even say they've overachieved in, in their position and, 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 and um, performances. But... Um, I'd pay, if I was a Cast fan, I'd, I'd be a little bit disconcerted with what's going on at the moment, and and I'd be looking for answers. Um, but that's just my view, my view. Um, so uh, Radford turns up at Cass, I'd be surprised at him. And what what's going on with with the gig in America? Have you got any inside info on that? What's the well, I don't know about inside info, Craig, but... I thought um, was a man in the know, Joe. I you <laughs> tell me. <laughs> no, certainly not. Um, as far as I'm aware, the, the, the team that he went to join in America, and uh, the rugby union team, they're, 
their season has been postponed. Um, we're probably no sight of fixtures at this moment in time, so I'm not sure if Lee Radford's back in the country or not. But I suppose with the uncertainty of his job in America uh, and the opportunity of, of coaching a Super League team and a good one at that, I suppose if that opportunity did come, it would be a hard one to turn down. Yeah, I guess so. Um, we've got no guests this week to to do a six again, Joe. So, who's been the surprise package of the season so far and who's been the most disappointing? I, I think the surprise package is, is, is Castleford, you know, three from three. Um, like you say, they, they have the news that Daryl Powell is, is, is going to leave and that, that, that those rumours were right from the beginning of the season. Um, I I had them down as being a a mid-table team. They set off, of, they've had three wins. Paul McShane's on fire as ever. And yeah, I think I think they've been the surprise package. Certainly the letdown has been Uddersfield. You know, with, with, with Ian Watson going in as new coach, there was certainly, um, you know, bright bright signals coming from that club that, that, that this is the year that they're going to show improvement and obviously it is early days and they haven't had their star star player play yet for them but I do expect Huddersfield to come good um, um, under, under Ian Watson I think he's a very astute coach and definitely gets the best out of his players but yeah if I, uh, Huddersfield wouldn't have been expecting to be 2-0 uh, from their two Super League fixtures so yeah, I'm, I'm expecting improvement from them. How about you, Craig? Yeah, similar. Um, I, I, I think I, I don't know that Castle the surprise for me, um, but then I don't know why. I, I, I've, Wakefield, I've been impressed by Wakefield. I think when we had Reese Lynn on last week and he mentioned that they had three good halves of uh, of rugby so far, um, and they put up a good performance again against Catalan, I, I think, in, in the Challenge Cup. Just something's not going right for them. Um, the letdown or, or the, the disappointing, I, I think you're right with Huddersfield. Because um, I think with all the other sides, I think they're where, they, um, where I expected them to be at this stage of the season. I, I think Huddersfield have, have obviously made their intentions known with the signings that they've had. But it's... I think we all we all know that when you make signings like that, it's never going to gel in that first year. You'd be extremely lucky if they went on to win any silverware this year. Um, in the first year, I think it's a building process for them. I think Ian Watson is smart enough to know that. Um, but obviously, you make big you make big statements like that. Their fans will probably be expecting better than what they've dished up so far. Um, Obviously, in that opening game against Hull FC, they came up against a committed Hull FC side who needed to show their own fans their statement of intent for this season. Um, and that they did that, and they did that again in, in, against Salford. Um, I just My fear for Hull FC, slightly going off subject, is, is how they will perform without Josh Reynolds. Obviously, the, you know, he, he was their... They're massive signing. So it's a massive opportunity for, for young Ben Ben McMara if, if he gets that that gig at six. Um and obviously the likes of Sneed and Connor um and and Tuma Varvin, like we like we were talking about when we were assessing Rovers earlier on, 
the experienced players in that Hull FC team need to take the pressure off young Ben McNamara if he's playing there and just allow him to play his game and not apply too much pressure on him or make him um, sort of rabbit in the headlights scenario. I don't think he is like that from what I've seen of him. I think he's going to grasp this opportunity and, and, and if Hull FC managed to pull off uh, a victory against uh, Warrington in that next game, that's a massive. That'd be a massive signal, you know. Without Josh Reynolds, uh, um, I think they're capable, but I think it will depend on how Warrington perform for me. What What do you think? Oh, before before you get my thoughts, Craig, I've, I've got a question for you. So we saw the return of Jordan Johnston against Feverston. Um he started at Hooker and Danny Alton played in the half. So assuming that Max Need comes back and that Ben McNamara um, accompanies him in half-backs, who do you start as your hooker um, against Warrington? Do you start Jordan Johnston or do you start Danny Houghton? I start Danny Houghton. Um, I think the experience that he's got and, and, I, and I think the cover that you've got there then is, is Joe Cater. Um, if, if if anything was to happen to say either Sneed or, or Ben McNamara during that game and that they were to go off injured you've got options there you can always um, put Danny at half he started at half didn't he against, against Featherston the other night and from what I understand didn't really look out of place and I don't think you'd expect anything less of him um, and then you could put Cater in at nine for me, um, Johnston, I liked the look of him when he first came to Hull. He, you know, he had some speed out of dummy half. Um, probably the the facet of Danny's game that is starting to evade him now is is that speed out of dummy half. I think he's still got it in his brain. He's still got that rugby brain. He's decent distribution, and and he never lets you down defensively. Um, so I mean, it's it's a good. It's a good position to be in, isn't it, for a team to have these options available? Because obviously you've also got the likes of Carlos that can fill in at six. You've got Connor that you can push in and, and, and you've got cover at fullback. I know you're shaking your head at me there, Joe. Um, but, you know, last resorts, if it came to it, you can always put Connor in, in the halves um, and, and then fill, fill in that, that fullback position. Yeah, um, my, my view is that Brett Ocean certainly prefers Danny Houghton over Jordan Johnston at the moment, but I thought we saw quite a bit of Jordan Johnston on, on, on Saturday against Feverston. I thought he looked very sharp around the rock, and I think the added extra that he's got on Danny Houghton is, is that he has a little bit more guile around the rock. He, he challenges markers, so he, he challenges them to to defend well because he asks questions of them, he picks it up and he and he, and, and he, he brings his forwards onto the ball. Obviously with Danny out when you get unbelievable services, it's on the money every single time and bang straight to the halfback's hands and and you can't put a price on that. And obviously the engine, the amount of tackles he the amount of meters he makes every single game. I think if if John and Johnston can can develop and and try and make his whole round game better and maybe include some aspects of Danny Houghton's game in terms of work rate and, and, and service off the floor, then, you know, we've got a very, very capable um, 
replacement for Danny Alton when he finally does hang his boots up, but yeah. that isn't for a couple of years. And, and whichever one of them does start, or you know, if they both feature whoever's playing in and around that nine against Warrington, they need to be matching Daryl Clark for whatever he dishes up because Daryl Clark is, I mean, the rumours are out there that he'll be off to the NRL at some point and he wouldn't look out of place playing in the NRL. I think it would suit him. And actually, it reminds me as to when Lee Jackson, former FC Hooker, went out to play in the in, in the NRL. He, he had a similar running game to what Clark has got. I don't know if you you remember watching Lee Joe, but um, his distribution, yeah, yeah. but his, his running game was what set him apart from the hookers around him at the time. And, and I think Daryl Clark is, 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 um, is, I think he is world-class Daryl Clark. And, and I think he would um, shine even more in a, in a well-run NRL side that has got that, that edge on what Warrington bring. Um, but yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. Joe, we, we, we are, Fast approaching almost an hour's discussion. We didn't think we were going to get there this evening with, with, with this podcast, with us not having a guest. But before we finish, um, I just want to get your thoughts on, obviously, the the 35-man England um, Rugby League World Cup train-on squad. Or, you know, it, there was some ongoing debate on social media, as there always is. Um, from fans from clubs saying why haven't we got this player in? Why is that player in? What what were your thoughts on on the squad? Uh, I I think well reading between the lines I haven't actually seen direct quotes from Sean Wayne but reading between the lines I think he named a squad last year which is pretty much the same squad as what he's named this time and I just think he wants to give those guys a chance and um, you know he, he probably felt that. That those guys didn't get the opportunity to prove themselves as England players because of COVID and the disruption uh, uh, to, to, to the league and, and, and to rugby in general. Um, but yeah, there's certainly players which are in the squad or out the squad, which you can always argue over. Um, I listened to Sean Wayne on, on, on BBC on, on Saturday. And, uh, he's an impressive bloke. He knows what he wants. Um, I think... He's an honest bloke. He's certainly very, very passionate about rugby league and passionate about England winning. And you know that could definitely could have been hit with a stick. You know, Wayne Bennett could be hit with a stick with that. He maybe didn't quite have that passion and that that determination for England being successful with what Sean Wayne's got. So I think you've got to trust the process. He's a proven coach. Uh, he's a proven head coach at you know at the biggest rugby league club in in, in Wigan. He knows what he's doing. He's got a plan. I think you've just got to stick with him. Who's going to be added to that squad, in your opinion, if the season continues in a similar vein as to how it started? Without a doubt, my favourite player, Jake Connor, will be in that squad. If he carries on the way he started the season, the way he ended last year, and he gets a proper run at fullback for the rest of the season, not only will he be England starting fullback, it will also be the Super League's Man of Steel. Wow, it's a big call. Because uh, you, you, you're waxing lyrical to me about how good Sam Tompkins is at the minute. So if the season yeah. continues as it is, you're putting Jake Connor in ahead of Sam Tompkins based on current 
performances? For my number, yeah, for my full strength 13, definitely. But obviously, Tom Tomkins will be in the squad. Yeah. He, obviously, like Connor, he's very versatile and, you know, you need those players in your squad. He'll certainly be in the squad and then you're throwing Zach Hardacre in there and, um, you, you know, Stefan Ratchford in there. But we've got an abundance of talent and, yeah, but for me, Jake Connor's got every single thing that you want from a from a fullback, and yeah, I just hope he gets a proper run at, at fullback this year. I don't want him. I don't want him like you said there, being Mister Versatile and he could jump in at six, he could jump in at seven, he could jump in at centre. No, he's a fullback, and he's a <laughs> no. fullback. Definitive no there, there from Joe Morley. Let him play there. Let him show what he can do. And for me, you know, it's it not only. Well, he might be man of steel. He could lead to could lead Hull FC to some to some silverware this season. Well, I mean, it's a nice thought. It's a nice thought. We'll, we'll cling on to that. Um, I think you know the next uh, four league games. I think for for Hull are going to be a decent yardstick as to where they're at, and for Rovers. I mean, Rovers, Giants, Leeds, Warrington, and Cass. Hull, Warrington, Whitfield, Wigan and Leeds. Um, so they're, they're going to be some telltale signs. And then obviously Wigan in the Challenge Cup. Um, be nice for for um, Hull to be able to go on and, and emulate their Challenge Cup success, but then learn from where they let themselves down last time and, and not focus on the league afterwards. Joe, it, you know, I think we're at the end now. Um, we, we've talked... Some some sense and, and maybe not some sense. I don't know. Let our viewers, our viewers, let our listeners decide on that. Hopefully, we're back next week with a guest. Um, we're not going to sort of divulge who that is, but I think if we manage to get him, manage to secure him, we're just waiting to hear back from him with regards to his, his if he can confirm his commitment to us. Um, it will be a very very interesting listen. Um, we've been asked quite a bit if we can get this guy on and, and we've, we're working hard to try and get him on um, hopefully we'll be able to announce that um, maybe towards the back end of this week possibly um, but I think he'd be a really interesting guest to have on Joe don't you? Yeah um, absolutely can't wait to, to I've already got my questions in my head Craig that I want to ask him so um yeah, hopefully we can we can pull this off and yeah, be something which our listeners will will greatly appreciate. I'm sure. Yeah. There might be a language barrier, but we'll do our best to translate. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So that that draws to an end. Episode two of series two of set restart. We we hope you enjoyed it. We're sorry we couldn't bring you a guest to listen to, but um, you know, hopefully. Man and Joe's opinions are equally as interesting, if not thought-provoking, and 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 get the keep the conversation going about rugby league. Um, you know, there's a lot of positivity out there at the moment, and we're only doing our best to try and continue with that. Have you got any final words, Joe, before we we close to an end? No, not at all. Just yeah, hopefully rugby league can can carry on this. Uh, the positive news stories that that we seem to be putting out there at the moment and. And then that momentum can carry on throughout the season um, and, and into a, a fantastic Rugby League World Cup at the end of the year. Well said, Joe. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you again in a week's time.